Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. It's time to talk all things Dirty Birds. It's Falcons Flyover. John Chuckery on Sports Radio 92.9 The Game. Back at the Kia Studios on Sports Radio 92.9 The Game. John Chuckery Show coming to you live on this Wednesday evening. 404-726-0929. That is our Solomon Brothers Diamond text line to be a part of the show. The Odyssey app's how you catch us on the go. Social media at 929 The Game. I am at JMCH316 on Twitter. He is at the D. Lewis for real on Twitter. We'll do rank them coming up at 1040. We did not have rank them last night since we were off, but we will do rank them at uh, 1040. 20 minutes from now, we will talk to Falcons reporter Joe Patrick, who was out uh, at training camp uh, today. This, of course, should not look at all things Atlanta Falcons. It is the Falcons flyover. So it was the first official first day of practice. Now, we'll have everybody out and about at um, training camp coming up tomorrow. So uh, the morning show Chuck House, Andy and Randy, everybody will be out there. And then Dukes and Bell will be out at uh, Hooters uh, at the uh, Mall of Georgia, which is where they were last year. So they had a good time out there and um, good crowds and everything like that. So um, where are we? We're at, we're at Saint and Council or? Uh, no, it's called uh, here. Oh, yeah, Holman and Finch downstairs. No, no, no. Huh? no it's... Oh, est- I, I forgot. Establishment is no, no. Jay Crickets? No, Cozy, Cozy huh? Here. The Cozy, Cozy Here. That's the, that's what we're going to call it. Oh. The Cozy, Cozy Here. In, in these four walls? Yes. Oh. Looking at all the, <laughs> looking at all the paint peeling off the floor and the <laughs> and the walls. and Okay. Anyway. Um, so, Day-Day, you know we didn't have anybody that made the top 50. Okay? Right. On Pro Football Focus's top right. 50. So, they give out their Pro Football Focus 50. Ten rookies and second-year players who could make the list in 2024. And at the top of the list, they have B. John Robinson. Yep. I'm not quote, surprised. Here's, uh, here's their quote. By far the best rookie candidate to make this list, Robinson entered the draft hailed as one of the best running back prospects to come along in years, perhaps as far back as Adrian Peterson in 2007. He went to the run-heaviest team in football in Atlanta, so expectations should be that it contends for the rushing crown right out of the gate. If Robinson can achieve that and potentially showcase some of his skills in the passing game, it will be difficult not to buy into that hype and keep him off the list. Now, okay, here, this is where I disagree, okay? Um, I don't think he's going to be in contention for the rushing crown this year. And, and I don't say that because of his talent or anything like that, but... We did have a 1,000-yard rusher last year, did we not, in Tyler Algier? 
So it's not like he's going to get 50 carries this year. There, there's going to be some distribution of carries. Also, too, this, this organization, at least, hasn't rushed their rookies in to everything. Kyle Pitts didn't get rushed in. Drake London didn't get rushed in. Like, we don't rush our rookies. Richie Grant didn't get rushed in. We don't rush our rookies to have to be a part of something and make contributions right away. I'm not saying that he's not going to contribute heavily to the success of this team. What I'm saying is is that it won't be 400 carries. If you're expecting Derrick Henry level of carries, that's not going to happen. And he probably won't be week one, 25 carries, you know, and, and six pass six pass receptions. I don't think he's going to get 30 touches come week one. They just don't do that with their rookies. Not a knock against Bijan. It's just not what they do and force rookies to have to contribute immediately. Again, we even saw Kyle Pitts. At, at times, he was – he wasn't on the field on on uh, red zone situations. At times, he went on the field on third downs in his first year. So, I don't. The only thing I'll say is, yes, could he be a candidate? Absolutely. But I don't think he's going to contend for the rushing title this year. Not that he can at some point, but I don't think it. I don't think he. I don't think he's in that kind of contention for this year. I mean that that again. You're talking about a. a, a 1,400, 1,500-yard running back, I don't think he gets to that kind of level. But we'll see. I mean, again, hope springs eternal on all of this. So, uh, funny story with uh, Calais Campbell, who um, was talking about that um, some quarterbacks, um, you know, tend to be nicer to defensive players than uh, than others. And, you know, it was brought up that Pat Mahomes – was one of the guys who was complimentary to defensive players and things like that. And, uh, um, you know, that that he, you know, will be complimentary to guys that, that sack him. But um, he had this to say about one other quarterback in the league. Um, longtime Chargers quarterback Phillip Rivers was a good trash talker, but he was never disrespectful. Mac Jones, actually, he was kind of disrespectful. I'm like, hold on, man. Just trash talk to the highest level. Um, okay. I mean, again, it's interesting to see. And look, maybe this is part of the program that he comes from, right? I mean, he was part of the, you know, at that time, the most successful college program in the country, you know, in Alabama. Um, you know, he was part of all of that. Maybe that's kind of where that comes from. But so it, it seems like Mac Jones is a guy who talks disrespectful to quarterbacks, whereas Pat Mahomes, and um, uh, he said this on, uh, what's that show called, Day Day, that Pat Mahomes on? Is is it called Quarterbacks or whatever that? Talking about that, yeah, yeah. That Chick Flick show or whatever it is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, on Chick Flicks. Um, So he was talking about this on on Chick Flicks that he says nice things to defensive players, and Calais Campbell was asked about it. So, again, Mac Jones, I mean, sounds like Mac Jones got some a-hole in him. Sounds like he's the Ayatollah of Ayatollah. So, interesting there. All right, this is an this is a fascinating story in a lot of ways. I, I I think it's fascinating. I talked about this on my podcast this morning. Former Falcon linebacker Devondre Campbell 
went on Twitter. I guess this was yesterday or something. Then he went on Twitter, and he started putting out a series of tweets. And I did not see. I don't follow Devondre. I don't follow any current athletes on, on Twitter. But he started out by saying, quote, they just didn't understand how important me and Poole were to that defense. I called both of us the garbage men. We did all of the dirty work and never got credit for it. They thought we were replaceable and been chasing players like us ever since. All facts. Then he went on to say as well, they didn't understand how important I was and how much money I saved them, uh, saved that team over my four years. Then he also went on to say that, um, and he said, uh, well, again, let's let's get the quotes out of the way here first. Then he tweeted out as well, quote, the Falcons will always have a special place in my heart. They made a lifelong dream of mine come true, and I can never forget that. To all the fans that appreciate me while I was there, I will always love you all forever. Much love and respect from number 59. So here's the thing that's interesting about all of this. Now, one of the things that Arthur Smith and Terry Fontenot both specifically talked about when they traded Matt Ryan. Remember the press conference they had after, right after Matt Ryan was traded? One of the things that they both talked about was the idea of signing their own players, having enough cap space. Part of the reason why they did the Matt Ryan move is to free up cap space in the future to specifically sign their own players. And I definitely think that Devondre Campbell was a guy that they wanted to sign. Now, you can go back in time and say, okay, Devondre, they maybe had a choice of either Devondre Campbell or Deion Jones. Did they make the right choice? Well, maybe in hindsight that they didn't make the right choice, but Deion Jones was looked at as one of the up-and-coming linebackers in all of the NFL. He was kind of the blueprint model for what linebackers were going to be in the NFL. And then Dean Pease comes in and they run a different scheme and he doesn't necessarily fit what they want to do at that point. But Devondre, I think, was a guy that they wanted to sign, but he got the he got a, a, a nice size deal from, you know, Arizona for a couple of years, and then he signed a four, what is it, a four, I think it was a four-year, $50 million deal um, with the Green Bay Packers. I don't think I'm right on that. Uh, I was trying to see. I don't have the contract here in front of me, but I think it was four for 50. Yeah, four, uh, sorry. Five-year, fifty million dollar contract with the uh, with the Patriots, or sorry, with the uh, Packers. So again, I think that he was I. I don't think that he was underappreciated here. I, I don't. I I I appreciated Devondre Campbell. I thought he was a really good player, and again, for where he was drafted, he outplayed his contract. No doubt about it. That he definitely outplayed his contract. But when you go back in time to where. You know, he was uh, becoming a free agent. The Falcons just didn't have that kind of cash to sign him. They didn't have that kind of they didn't have that kind of money to sign him. I mean, we were signing scrap heap players, right? I mean, that's the same reason that we lost Foyer Aluakin. It's because we just didn't have the cap space available to sign those guys to healthy long-term contracts. Now, again, I'm always a proponent of if you want cap space, you can create cap space. You can create all of that. But, again, that was their rationale and reasoning. But I don't think that I don't think that there was an underappreciation for Devondre Campbell, certainly by the fans. I mean, maybe, maybe this regime, you know, the Arthur Smith regime, 
didn't look at him the same way as the Dan Quinn regime looked at him. But I think from a fan perspective, I think we all thought that Devondre Campbell was a very productive player and was a guy that we really would have liked to have signed. I mean, I think Foyer, Lewican, and, and Devondre Campbell, those were guys that we wanted to keep. But, again, the Falcons, you know, didn't have the financial flexibility to be able to do those things. And I think that's why they, they moved on. Instead of paying, you know, again, $10 million for a linebacker, you know, they we, we tried to go on the cheap and we had to kind of do all that. But I don't think that there was a I – don't, I don't think that fans, by and large, weren't in the camp of Devondre Campbell. Yeah, we had a lot of those guys like, you know, again, Poole and Campbell and guys that were just glue guys, right? I, I mean um, – uh, oh gosh, the, the uh, other um, who's the other safety um, that the guy that always spoke that was drafted by Mike Smith actually. Um, oh my gosh, my brain is uh, my brain is fried here. Um, uh, uh, I'll, have, I'll have to think about that. But but there were there were these guys that were maybe not you know guys that were all pros or different things like that. But but they were certainly glue guys for this defense. And I thought Devondre Campbell was one of those glue guys, right? I thought he was Ricardo Allen. That's who I'm thinking of, Ricardo Allen. Those guys were not maybe all pros and things like that, but they were glue guys for this defense. And I think people appreciated the effort that they uh, that they had. Um, again, he was an all, all, all pro in 2020 and um, then became a member of the Packers with his five-year $50 million contract. And, you know, things worked themselves out, but... I definitely think that people wanted Devondre Campbell to be here. It was just the idea of the money. And and maybe this regime, I mean, maybe they didn't want Devondre Campbell. I think they did. I mean, I think that, that they were looking at Devondre Campbell to to be here with this, you know, club, but I, I don't know. I mean, I don't I can't speak for what, what the Falcons have done over the last couple few years, but um but I think fans, by and large, we like Devondre Campbell. He was a very productive player and Certainly was a guy who really kind of outplayed his contract at the end of the day. So it all kind of worked itself out. I mean, it was what it was. But um, I think fans always appreciated the contributions from Devondre Campbell. All right, when we get back, we're going to talk to Joe Patrick, our Falcons reporter, as he was out at training camp today. Chuck, we hanging out in the Kia Studios on Sports Radio 92.9 The Game, Odyssey.com app. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. 
plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile Essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice cold reward. Medela is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know, the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter, and Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Import, Chicago, Illinois. Sports Radio, 92.9 The Game, back at a Chuckery Show. Hanging out in the Key Studios Wednesday night with you. 404-726-0929. That is our Solomon Brothers Diamond Text Line to be a part uh, of the show. Well, Falcons had their first official practice of this new season, and uh, our man was on the scene. Let's head out to the waitfor.com hotline. Atlanta's Ford dealer. Let's talk to our buddy Joe Patrick. Falcons reporter for 92.9 The Game. You can follow him on his personal Twitter page, at JAPatrick200. Joe, as always, my friend, uh, appreciate a few minutes on the show. Hey, absolutely. Anytime. I always love talking to you. We uh, don't have the fancy intro for you. Um, quick, <laughs> very, very quick question. I, I've always been fascinated. Why do they call you Smoke and Joe? Did you have a great left hook? I mean, is that what yeah. it is? I mean, uh, what what was the story behind that? It's funny. My parents had the same question the, the first time they heard it. They were like, where does that come from? You know, they probably didn't like, I, I swear I'm not chain smoking cigarettes outside the studio. Um, no, I, I don't know. Uh, Randy came up with it. Randy McMichael came up with okay. it. Um, I think maybe it had something to do kind of like with the overlap with Joseph Martinez and like his goal celebration. You know, okay. he was doing the whole like smoke it and put it out with your foot. So maybe that's where it came from. I don't know. But sometimes. When, basically, when Randy gives you a nickname, it sticks. Right, so right, right. It kind of sucks. And and you don't have a choice. I mean, so that exactly, that's, yeah, right, yeah. Because yeah. because when so I think better than Mike Bell was telling me to adopt a nickname like uh, Joey Balls, and I, I'm glad that yeah, I went with uh, yeah. we got Smoking Joe. Yeah, no, yeah, I I I think that was a better one. Yeah, I when I think of Smoking Joe, I think of Smoking Joe Frazier because that was his nickname, and again, right. he was known for the left hook. But again, I maybe you've got a great punch. I I can't speak for you on all of that. So. Um, obviously, first practice today, um, you know, it's overreaction time, you know, for uh, the Falcons. Um, every pass is micromanaged in, in things like this. But the first question I'm going to ask you is, why did they wait so long to sign Michael Pruitt? I mean, again, this was a guy who tied for the team lead in touchdowns last year. And I'm not telling you that he's going to be some valuable piece. But, again, he's a guy that you would think that, fit in with this team and the fit was good. Why did they wait so long to bring him back? Yeah, no doubt about it. Uh, I think, and we have yet to talk to Michael, but we'll de- I'll definitely ask him this question uh, when we do get a chance to talk. But I suspect that the team was basically giving him a chance to, si- to, to find somewhere that may be a better deal. And if nothing of that, like that came up, maybe he was looking for multiple years from anybody uh, but if that wasn't going to happen, then he, you know, comes back to, to Atlanta. And, I, yeah, you're totally right. I think Arthur Smith and the staff is 
super happy to have him. Apparently, he got like a it was like a huge round of applause, like a cheer from inside the locker room when uh, he had made it known to the team that they were going to be signing him a couple days ago. So that just shows you kind of the pull that he has. AJ Terrell spoke about him specifically when we talked to him on uh, check-in day. So clearly a guy who's met a lot to the team on the field last year, and it was definitely appreciated in that locker room. You know, Joe, I have uh, I have consistently said on this show and, and everywhere that I've been, and I've, I've said it on other platforms that I've, I've been a part of, that I think the low-key best move that the Falcons made this year was getting Jerry Gray um, as, a, mm. as a coach uh, on their defense, assistant head coach. Um, obviously, he's a guy that has an immense track record. Uh, listen to Jair Alexander talk about what he did for him in his career and then go back to 2010 when he coached a couple of rookies in Seattle called Cam Chancellor and Earl Thomas. Those guys worked yeah. out uh, pretty well. But, you know, he talked a lot about just – Jeff Okuda getting A.J. Terrell, you know, back up and, and, you know, to the level that he was a couple of years ago. I like this move, and I, I really think that our most improved area this offseason was our secondary with Okuda, Jesse Bates, and everything like that. I, I think he's going to have a lot of influence, and I'm expecting big things out of this secondary as a whole this year for this team. Yeah, a couple things on this. First, I think you're totally right that you know the signing of Jerry Gray was is, is huge for this team. I actually I talked to to Coach Gray during OTAs and about his relationship with Jeff Okuda and how that's grown really fast, even just over the summer. Where you know, basically during OTAs, uh, Okuda would come into the building at 6 a.m. or very early and basically just sit in Coach Gray's office and they would have coffee and they might talk about football, they might talk about coverages, they might talk about something completely random, but, you know, they're just building that relationship. And I think that that is, speaks, you know, really great for what Jeff Okuda could be this year. Because I think with him, with a, in a new setting, with a clear mind, we know how good he was arguably, you know, one of the better cornerback prospects in years coming out of Ohio State. If he can get back to that level, then, you know, the sky is the limit for this secondary. But I think also just – you know, that is kind of a, a perfect illustration of several signings that the Falcons made this offseason, whether it was on the the, ro- the playing roster or the coaching staff, that are kind of like have like a multiplying effect where it's not just the, their talent that you're adding, but with Calais Campbell, you're adding the mentorship that he can provide. With Jesse Bates, you're, you're, you're adding a player in a specific position that can really influence the rest of the defense in, when he's seeing it in front of him. So I think that you, there's, a, there's a few players where you've added – it kind of goes a level beyond just their raw talent, which is going to pr- improve the team or the coaching staff overall. But then there's other things that those players offer that's just like added value. And I think Jerry Gray is a perfect example of that and how he can improve the secondary. Joe Patrick joining us here on the WaitFor.com hotline, Falcons reporter for 92.9 The Game. Um, you know, Ryan Nielsen talked about the pass rush, and uh, I still have my concerns about it, but but he said we're going to get after it. He said, you know, we're going to get there. We'll, we'll get it, you know. Look, obviously he was a guy that in New Orleans helped build that good defensive line that they had, and they did get after quarterbacks, you know, on there. You know, there's a lot of expectation about, and I, I talk about this religiously. I don't mean I just talk about it. I talk about it religiously on my show that if we can't get to the quarterback, I don't care how good your secondary is or things like that, you're not going to be able to cover in today's NFL five guys running mm-hmm. out into patterns and stuff like that. So, um, mm-hmm. you know, Arnold Ebicady to me is the guy that's got to make that big leap on this defense. You think he's got the ability to do that? We saw some flashes last year, but 
Can he be an 8-12 to 12 sack kind of guy for this defense? Yeah, it's going to be a really interesting year at that kind of position and that role where you have Arnold Edicati. You also have D'Angelo Malone, who may be a little bit undersized for this system to really put his hand in the ground and be a defensive end. Uh, and Edicati really is a, a more stout, even though he has he has a kind of a speed rushing profile. He's a thick guy, and he, and he, he I have no questions that he'll be able to kind of put his, his hand in the ground on a, on a four-man front and be able to rush the passer. But, you know, both those guys, you know, because they were drafted in the same draft class, pretty close in terms of, like, the, the draft capital with a second rounder and a third rounder. And I think it'll be interesting to see if one of them kind of elevates above the other uh, this year with their performances on the field and obviously the sacks, which this team desperately needs. Um, you know, I, I do think that, you know, one of the potential, again, to go kind of go back to what we were talking about earlier with these these additions that, that help you in multiple ways. Uh, you know, Ryan Nielsen obviously comes from a, you know, a, a really, you know, good background with the Saints uh, most recently. But, you know, something that stands out to me is Calais Campbell talked after OTAs about something. They were doing a drill, and, and Ryan Nielsen explained it to him in a certain way. And, and Calais Campbell actually said it felt really good, and he's going to keep doing it that way. And it was just an example of one of these things where he's like, Calais, like, I've been in the league for 15 years. And I just had somebody explain something to me the way I'd never heard it before. And it, and it makes me feel better. I feel like I just got like a better, became, a, you know, a little bit better because of that little coaching moment. And that's hopefully what, you know, Ryan Nielsen will be able to impart on some of these, um, these rushers. I think a part, another part of it that is going to help the pass rush is I think, I, I think is going to be just the, the, the way that the, the secondary kind of postures themselves against the the opposing pass catchers. And that's a lot more man coverage, a lot more in your face. And they might get burned a, a time or two more than they did last year. But I think it's also going to allow them to make plays in the form of sacks and the form of turnovers. That's going to make them a kind of a more game-changing type of defense, a defense that's a little bit more dangerous than they were last year, where, frankly, even though they were pretty good in terms of limiting teams' points, they were allowing teams to kind of go up and down the field on them, and they were just trying to kind of, you know, hope that they could hold them to a field goal. And uh, I think you'll see this defense be a lot more dynamic. But, of course, uh, to your point, in order for it to be that way, the sack numbers have to get there. They just have to get there. It, it, it really is kind of that simple. Joe, um, you know, a lot of chatter has been, you know, leading into, you know, with the offseason and, and leading into camp that the Falcons need to add another wide receiver. And, and I, again, I, I'm not saying I vehemently disagree, but, again, when I look at this roster, there are plenty of guys to catch the football. I mean, again, we're not going to throw it 600 times like we did with Matt Ryan. We're not going to be that kind of team. So when you look at – you know, whether it's, again, Scotty Miller and it's London and it's Pitts and Johnny Smith and the running backs. And, I mean, I feel like we have enough pass catchers for what our yeah. offense has got to be. I just need to see more production down in the red zone. But I, I feel like we don't need more wide receivers. You know, again, we just need to take the guys we have and become much better with them. Yeah, I, 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 I think you're right. I, um, I probably wasn't thinking that way. A few weeks ago, but I have come around to the point where, you know, clearly it doesn't seem like they're going to, to, to make a big move at this point. And yeah, I mean, you look at the, the, the offensive weapons that you have, you are, I'm, I'm already kind of thinking that all of these players are probably going to underperform, like whatever the great fantasy expectations are for them, just because there's so many options and they're just not going to get the kind of volume that some of these other players might in other offenses around the league. So 
and when you think about that, you got to think about what is a somebody who's going to come join the Falcons or a receiver. Uh, you know, they got to be thinking, what am I going to be doing? I'm probably going to be coming to run block, honestly, because right. that's what Arthur Smith loves. So, you know, how enticing is that even for somebody to to come? I know like Corey Davis has been one, but like any of these guys who go on waivers, you're going to have to you know agree to a contract with them. And I just don't know how appealing a place like Atlanta is for you know um, a, a, that kind of receiver, kind of a you know, replacement level, maybe just slightly above something like that. Like, I don't know how you, you wouldn't want to go to Atlanta. You might see your career over because you might not get that many opportunities to catch passes. So I agree with you. I, I, and I don't think it's a big need to your point. Like, I just don't think that it's something that this team uh, is really lacking for at this point. They've got some interesting options. They've got a array of different kind of profiles throughout the receiving core already. And I think that that will give them you know, a good slate of options to choose from. But I really think they're only probably looking at, you know, one one or two um, that are, you know, potentially, you know, roster bubbles. All right. Uh, before we get out of here, I mean, you might as well put me on Messi last night. I mean, you, <laughs> oh, you, my God. You, yeah. you might as well let me guard Messi. I mean, that was – I mean, again, I know their defense has been bad, but it was kind of at the point of embarrassing, was it not, last yeah. night? I mean, what you saw totally. – that's what I, I, I wrote about that uh, after the game last night, just saying that, you know, the, one of the things with Messi is that when he comes, it's going to attract more eyeballs to really bad performance. Right. <laughs> it's like you're, you're going to get scrutinized way more than you used to. It, it, you know, in the old days of MLS, you could sleepwalk through a game and look terrible and nobody notices. And now if you're playing against Messi, the world is going to notice and you're going to kind of become a viral moment for all the wrong reasons. So, and that kind of happened to Atlanta, honestly. I mean, this is probably, you know, as, as, Messy, messy mania is kind of you know peaking now with him joining the league. So yeah, that was rough. You listen, Atlanta United is they're actually a worse roster at this point now than they were three weeks ago before the the, the transfer window opened. I know they're trying to work on some deals. There have been some reported, but um, they're just you know the roster is still in a in a state, and it's been a, I think a slower turnaround than President Garth Lagerwey expected when he came in. He initially said it might take it would take two transfer windows before the team is kind of back up and and operating at kind of like 100% uh, efficiency on the roster, kind of like the Falcons have gone through over the last year. But I think now he's thinking it's probably going to be some more because we're already at that second transfer window right now. So uh, I don't know, man. They're just – they got to kind of cling on to the edge of the cliff and try to, you know, keep themselves alive so they can get some footing here. Well, last question for you. I mean, you know, they started off so well, and it was one of the great starts in Atlanta United history. Now you yeah. look, they're nine wins – and eight defeats, and yeah. it's like, okay, I mean, where, again, is it manager, is it front office? I mean, at some point, doesn't somebody have to be held accountable that we're just kind of fledgling and treading water right now? I think so. They've made bad signings. they made bad signings, and I think actually the more egregious thing is they've gotten rid of some players that they didn't have to get rid of, but for whatever reason, whether it was, you know, wanting to market the league and sell a player to, you know, Europe, although, you know, I'm just like Miggy's whatever. He like, he was always going to leave, but I'm just saying, you know, like there are various reasons why they sold these players, all of them probably for the wrong reasons because right. they were really productive here. So I think that's almost the more egregious part is he's tried to like fix something that wasn't broken really. And obviously, you know, you can't keep the same players forever, but clearly there's just been so many mistakes that have happened on the roster. You, I certainly, I mean, fans are, like starving for some accountability that they haven't really seen yet. So uh, yeah, we'll see if it comes. 
Joe Patrick, he covers the Atlanta Falcons for 92.9 The Game. You can find him on his personal Twitter page, at JAPatrick200. He uh, joined me here on the waitfor.com hotline. Joe, as always, buddy, appreciate a few minutes on the show tonight, and uh, obviously we will uh, keep chatting again here soon. I miss you being in studio doing updates where we could, you know, have these conversations. So I, I, I miss, know, I miss the old I know. days. So yeah, yeah. Well, when these when these you know two days are over, the training camp is over. Maybe we can get do some of that again. All right, well that's good. All right, Joe, appreciate uh, as always, buddy. Thanks, man. All so, right, thanks, Chuck. When uh, we get back, uh, it'll be time for what's bugging Chuckery. Um, again, I I love how a pay cut involves a fifty eight point two million dollar guaranteed payment. Anyway, Chuckery in the Key Studios, Sports Radio ninety two nine The Game, the Odyssey dot com app. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Sports Radio, 92.9 The Game, back at a Chuckery Show. Hanging out in the Key Studios Wednesday night with you. Uh, 404-726-0929. That's our Solomon Brothers Diamond Tech sign to be a part of the show. Braves are uh, up in Boston. Uh, lead right now, 3 to nothing. Um, Albies, uh, Ozzie Albies has hit a home run in the game, and uh, he's got three RBI for it. Um, Strider, five innings, three hits, no runs, a walk, and six strikeouts. So we talked about Strider needed a good outing tonight. He's gotten one. Hopefully, you know, 67 pitches. Can he go seven innings tonight? Can he go seven innings and kind of rest your bullpen a little bit? I mean, they obviously have a day off tomorrow before they come back home and play the Milwaukee Brewers. But, um, you know, again, just – Strider just rolling uh, right along, so let him let him stay in there for a little bit. Let him let him just get some work in and obviously figure some things out because it has been a l- couple of rough outings his last two. Nine runs, nine earned runs in uh, twelve innings, and um, you know he's just mowing down guys now. So nine earned runs in twelve. I mean he had the strikeouts. I mean we can we always know he can strike guys out, but too many hits and. You know, too many home runs. Uh, you know, for him over the last say, couple too of many starts. big hits. Yeah, it's not necessarily the hits; it's the hits that he's giving yeah. up. Yeah, I mean, it's the inopportune times, right? I mean, but right. um, but he's been terrific tonight. Five and a third now with seven strikeouts. So, all good news uh, in Bray. And they're wearing these. Um, these Boston is wearing these. What these? Uh, what do you call them? The city uniform, right? The you know you know how the Braves have their city uniform, right? Is that throwbacks? what that is for Boston? Yes, yes, that's the. So that's in honor of the the Boston Marathon colors are that pale blue and oh, yellow. Oh, okay. So that that's honoring um, 
the Boston Marathon, and, and like they, they call it Patriots Day or whatever up there, right? The the they have the Boston Marathon, and then the Red Sox play at eleven oh five on that Monday or whatever. Right. So that it's Patriots Day, so it's the, that that city uniform because the Braves have their throwbacks, right? That that's our city uniform, right? But they uh, they've got this yellow I, again. I understand the meaning of it, but it looks ridiculous. Uh, they look like, the, honestly, they look like the Savannah Bananas. Yeah, I was going to say, well, I wasn't going to say Savannah Bananas, but they look very minor league-ish. Yeah, but I mean, that that's the, go look at the Savannah, Bana, yeah. Savannah Bananas uniforms. That's what they are. And I get the meaning of it. I get the idea of the Boston Marathon and obviously a few years ago, all the tragedy that happened. I get all of that. I understand all that. Still, it doesn't make it look any less ridiculous than what it does uh, up there. So, um, very un-Boston-like uh, kind of color. I mean, they couldn't have come up with something from, you know, I don't know. I mean, their uniform has pretty much been the same style for, for you know, generations on end, for 100 years or whatever like that, but I don't know. It is what it is. So, uh, maybe that's why they're losing is they've got those City Connect uniforms. Well, they did win last night because they wore them last night um, um, as well. Uh, also, other quick note. Did you see that the Hawks are going to play in Mexico? I saw that today. So they're gonna, they're yep. playing a Taking, regular uh, season, a yeah. regular season game, not a preseason game, a regular season yeah, against game. Orlando, right? Orlando so Magic. they've they've got a regular season game in Mexico. They've got this Fakakta in season tournament that they're going to play for this ridiculous thing that I don't even know what I don't even know what the deal is with this in season tournament. Like, how many more gimmicks is the NBA going to throw out there? How many more gimmicks are they going to just come? I mean, again, it's it's a half step away from being Doink the Clown. Like, at some point, they're going to have Clint Capella come out in a Doink the Clown outfit. Or they're going to have Trey Young in a fake Diesel outfit, right? Like, they're going to have fake Diesel. You have Trey Young dressed up as fake Diesel at some point. So, again, yeah, they're going to play... Regular season game in Mexico. I didn't see when. When was the date on that? I didn't see. I what did the, not see the date. Let me look that up real quick. Yeah, I uh, I didn't I didn't see the specific date, but it is going to be a regular season game, not a preseason game. It's going to be a regular season. Because last game. year was preseason when they did that, right? When they went to well, they uh, went to uh, Saudi Arabia. Yeah, or I, was I, it Saudi Arabia? Was it was it was in the Middle East. Um, was it like United Arab Emirates or whatever like that? Yeah. Was it? I don't think it was actually Saudi Arabia. It was like United Arab Emirates or something like that. Whatever, whatever it was. But they, uh, but they played in the preseason over there because remember we had the we had the Hawks for. Were you at that event at establishment? No, I wasn't year? there. I wasn't there. So because we were talking to Nate McMillan and and some of the guys just about how long the plane ride was going to be over there because. It was a ridiculous amount of time. I think it was right. like 16 hours or something like that yeah. um, on the plane ride. And then you had to fly in like military planes and yeah. stuff like that. And it was like home that. and home for the two. Because I, yes. I don't remember. So, but they took so for for home purpose, for their version of the home game, like they took their whole setup. Like yes. all their in-game yes. people, all yes. that whole deal. Yes. Yes. And everything. So it's November 9th, by the way, okay. um, for the. Uh, so when so that that's not that far away from the. The uh, tournament, is it not? Uh, no, because the tournament's when, December, right? Is it December? Okay. Okay. I was thinking that it was somewhere late in November, but, again, maybe it is maybe it is in December. Again, it's a Fakakta thing. This this whole thing is just stupid. I mean, this whole in-season tournament. That could be a What's Bug and Chuck read by itself, this whole in-season tournament. Um, but, anyway, so, yeah, we'll uh, 
we'll see what happens. But uh, they are, are going to play, uh, what, Orlando coming up uh, in um, – in November. It in, ends uh, in, in December. Start. It does start in November. It ends okay. in December. So it's very I, interesting because yeah. Yeah, again, it I, starts before the the Hawks play that game. It starts November 3rd. Starts November 3rd? Yeah. And okay, go, yeah. And so the championship yeah. will be December that's what I, I So thought, that's kind of interesting. I thought, the tur- I thought the tournament did start in November. Um, so, huh, I, again, who knows? I mean, it's just so, – how would that work if, for some reason, is because it, it's not every uh, you, team, you know how, right? Okay, you know how it works. Okay, here's how it works. Okay, um, DeAndre Hunter comes out in a doink the clown outfit. Okay, <laughs> um, Bogey Bogdanovich comes out in a fake razor uh, gimmick. Right, he comes out like that, and Clint Capella comes out as T.L. Hopper. That's that's how they make it work. It's 1994-95 WWF. <laughs> That's what it is. Everything is a gimmick. At it's point. very so. interesting. So it's going to be like they're playing games from based on what I'm reading. Some of the games they'll be playing, because obviously they're not taking November off. Mm-hmm. They'll still play their regular schedule, but they'll be playing these tournament games, I guess, in within their regular yes. schedule. It's very yes. Yeah, very I know. I, again, it's, it's ridiculous. Yeah. yeah. Um, Again, as if the season isn't long enough. <laughs> as if the NBA season isn't long enough, for God's sakes. Anyway, all right, speaking of which, speaking of long seasons, let's get to something we call What's Bugging Chuckery. Don't look now, but somebody out there just got Chuckery ticked off. <laughs> like, that's hard. Don't make me angry. You wouldn't like me when I'm angry. It's time for What's Bugging Chuckery on Sports Radio 92.9, The Game. Boy, the, the media is quick to get on the... Well, look at Aaron Rodgers. He's taking this big pay cut, and and he's, you know, again, he's a team guy, and he's taking this pay cut and all this kind of stuff, okay? So, in theory, it sounds good to say that, you know, again, he he reworked a deal where he's signing a two-year, $75 million contract that is all guaranteed. So, part of this is if you cut him, you have to pay him. You have to pay him his full salary because it's all guaranteed, right? I mean, again, it's this was the Tom Brady thing. You know, Tom, if Tom Brady would have retired over the last whatever couple of years in New England, they would have still had to have paid him because his money was all guaranteed, okay? But here's the thing, Day Day, that is lost in all of this, okay? Is the fact that the uh, Packers kicked the can down the road and the Jets did this as well in negotiations where, you know, he's owed a roster bonus of $53.8 million. See, and they kicked Yeesh. it. They kicked it down the road into the 2024 season. So let me say this like this very clearly. Show me him taking no money in that roster bonus And then we can talk about pay cuts and what a team guy he is and all this kind of stuff. Because, again, $53.8 million. That was his bonus that was supposed to be paid to him this year. But the Jets and Packers and Rodgers have worked it out to where it's going to be some point in 2024. So that gets lost in all this shuffle that, you know, there's this little thing of $53.8 million 
that's hanging out there in the etherverse. That's just hanging out there, you know, oh, we just we got this dangling participle out here of $53.8 million. Show me he's not going to take any money off that. Then we can talk about pay cuts. Then we can talk about what a what a great guy is because he's given up all this money. And by the way, again, he's going to get paid a whole crap ton of money. He ain't losing out on money. See, again, it's semantics. It's about how you make the money work. This is the Tom Brady thing. Tom Brady didn't play for less money. He got, he got all guaranteed money where if he would have been cut or retired or anything, they still had to pay him. Obviously, he was going to be a guy, though, that they were going to keep on their roster. They weren't going to cut Tom Brady. And obviously, if he'd retired, again, which he certainly did this year, but he talked about playing till he's 40, and that's the same thing Aaron Rodgers is. You don't expect him to retire. But if he'd have retired as a Tampa Bay, uh, as a um, New England Patriot, they would have been on the hook for his money. They, they would have had a quarterback making $25 million a year that was sitting on a beach collecting 20%, as Hans Gruber would say. So, again, before we get into all of this, you know, hero worship and all of this, he's, a, you know, singing, he's a jolly good fella, right? Before we get into all that, let's, let's sort out this $53.8 million roster bonus that is still owed to him, and that's still guaranteed money. Now, if he takes a couple million or whatever, fine. Then we can get into he's a hero and he's a jolly good fella and, you know, we'll sing Kumbaya and we'll praise him and we'll we'll all go into a dark house or what was that thing called, the dark cabin or whatever it was, uh, whatever he was in earlier this in year. The dark retreat. Yeah, the dark retreat. Yeah. Yeah. Well, again, you think he's going to retreat away from $53.8 million that's owed to him? Because he's, he's still got that money lingering out there, and they kicked the can down the road. Just like most contracts when you get into these negotiations, they all in the NFL, that's the game that they play. They kick the can down the road, right? They kick it as far down the road as they possibly can. Right? Drew Brees did the same thing, right? Remember? Remember they, they were paying Drew Brees even after he retired. Because, again, you kick the can so far down the road that – you know, you wait until the you wait until the bitter end before you start paying the check. So, again, let's see what happens with that fifty-three point eight million dollars that he is owed in all of this. All right, we come back from the uh, top of the hour. We called this back in March. Day Day might not have been here, but we talked about this specifically back in March. I'll explain next. Chuck Kia Studios, Sports Radio ninety-two nine. The Game, Odyssey.com app.
T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. vehicle's engine with a full synthetic oil change and save with Mobile One at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Purchase five quarts of Mobile One full synthetic motor oil and receive a $10 O'Reilly gift card after rebate. See store for details. With your Mobile One purchase, you'll also receive two times points during Old Rewards Bonus Points Month at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.